Welcome to the Endurance Horse Podcast, where endurance riders from all across the globe gather, sharing their stories, goals, and progress as they train for and compete in endurance events at every level. So kick off your shoes, pull up a chair, and listen as we gather around the virtual campfire and listen to friends from across the world. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Endurance Horse Podcast. I am your host, Christina Hike, and today we are talking with a returning guest who really needs no introduction. It is Dante, and she will be sharing about her 2023 Tevis ride with her wonderful mare, Denny. Now, without further ado, on with the show. Hi, Dante. It's Chris Hike calling from Endurance Horse Podcast. How are you doing this morning? I'm good. Good in yourself. Doing great. So welcome back to Endurance Horse Podcast. I took a bit of a break from it last year, but we're back now. And I was wondering, how are you feeling after your top five finish again? Um, To be honest with you, I'm actually feeling pretty good today. Um, The day after the ride, I was pretty emotionally tired and I I, I was stiff. But um, yesterday, I took another day off. I went for a massage and I slept. And today... I feel like a million dollars. How is Denny feeling today? Good. She, even yesterday, she was, that mare is just amazing. She she was walking out beautifully. She was perky. I think the both of us needed a bit of sleep and um, and a little bit of a day off. And yeah, and she's feeling good and ready to rumble again. So I know you've been on Endurance Horse Podcast in the past, but I don't think we did an interview back and forth like this. So I had the have the opportunity to ask you those questions that I ask everybody. So I wanted to know if you could recap again how you got into horses. Okay. So um, as you know, I'm originally from South Africa, and um, I've just been uh, born basically with uh, um, horses in, in my blood. So I've been the type of kid who just always wanted to ride. And um, so since a very young age, I, I, I think it was eight years old, I started getting into endurance rides. Um, I also did a bit of showing. And, um, yeah, my father also had background in horses. So it was, it came very natural to us. And, yeah. So how did you hear about endurance? Was that when you were still in South Africa? Yes. In South Africa, um, the endurance sport is a very big sport, especially um, in our community. It has just always been something that I wanted to do. So at a young age, I started riding and um, we had friends actually who did, did endurance and that's how they got me into endurance riding. Can you tell me a little bit about Dani? We know she's a spectacular mare and that this is her third Tevis completion. You were sharing with me that she placed eighth in 2021 and she was third in 2022 and she came back strong this year. Um, finishing faster than her time last year. Um, she placed fifth. So what makes Denny such a spectacular mare? Oh, my word. That horse, well, firstly, um, when I bought her, I I bought her because of her bloodlines, because I absolutely love her bloodlines, the, the Johnny. She raced back when she was younger. She came off the track. And since the day I got her, I just always knew that this is a special mare because one of her best traits that I would say is her mind. She's got such a strong mind. Like when it is showtime and we are going, she doesn't look back. She knows exactly what she needs to do. She will pull you till the end. Her mind is so strong and she gives 110% in everything she does. And I feel that, for me, makes a very good endurance horse. So having a horse that has so much go to it, 
Can you share with us a little bit about how do you pace yourself throughout such a, a challenging event? It's actually a good question because I just said to a friend the other day, it's like kind of if you top 10 the first time, you kind of know the pace that, that you're going. And it was my third year now of kind of doing the same pace. But for me, it's never competing against other people. My strategy is you need to go slow to go fast. So I like to ease mm-hmm. in, into the ride um, and then see where I'm placing. And then also, I also like to play it safe. Even though, you know, for me, it doesn't matter if I come, lo- come last or in the middle. I ride that day the 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 pace of the horse, mm-hmm. the, the speed that I'm, that I can go according to the terrain and according to how she's feeling. So um, I just take her completely into full consideration and and what is the best for her and where we place that is our placing. And so far, it's been paying off pretty, pretty good with the last car. Three years, you know, um, in 2019, I got pulled at Francisco's. And, um, of course, 2020 um, was um, the COVID year. And I came back after after I got pulled in 2019 saying to myself, you know, I just want to come and finish this ride. So I came back in 21 and I came back in 22 and I came back in 23. And I tell you, I've been so blessed because it is a challenging ride. But God has been with us all the way. And, yeah, I'm just so proud of, of her. Can you give us a recap of how your ride went this year? I know there was a modification to the trail. Did that affect your ride at all? Um, you know, I was a little bit nervous going into the trail that I wasn't familiar with. Um, we started at uh, Soda Springs this year. So it was definitely a faster start. It was a, about a two-mile of tar road and then you get onto a gravel road which was you know so and there wasn't a pen one or a pen two so basically there you go you know mm-hmm. um and even though it did it definitely felt quicker this year to get to robinson because the mileage was shorter um which they made up of course at the end so everything went quicker but I tell you, the end was way harder because they put in a lot of climbs and a lot of downhill past Francisco. I think um, so. The last 20 miles was definitely more difficult, which was easier in the beginning. It was more difficult towards the end, definitely. We have listeners of all levels at this podcast. What advice would you give to new riders who are looking to get into this sport? I would say, you know what, with horses, you know, there's a lot of ups and downs because we are working with animals. But I would say if if there is a world, there's a way and just keep on going. It doesn't matter. You know, just I always say my motto is what you put in, you will get out. So if you put in, you will get out. And just keep on going and stay strong. And, you know, if it's a young horse, bring a, have a nice foundation on a young horse because it is going to pay off towards the end. And if, you're, if you are somebody who is on a 50 or 75, just keep on going because, I mean, it is so just that feeling of becoming one with a horse, especially after 100 miles, it is the best feeling in the world. And, yeah, just, just keep on going. You can do it. <laughs> 
So since you mentioned a good foundation on a horse, if you had a five-year-old horse that has never done a thing and you were starting it today, what would you be your conditioning plan and what would be your like career plan to get that horse up to longer distance? I would firstly start off with a good foundation in the sense of that he's been back probably, he's been back good. Um, I would say schooling is very important because not only do you have more control on a horse, but it's also good manners, you know, like if you're riding and you need him to move out and he knows he's schooling and it gives him a good top line, all the good stuff. But I would say miles and miles of slow riding, that is, I would say for a young horse, that's the best thing. So a lot of trail riding and longer rides, slower rides, which will, you know, get their legs harder and just make them more tough uh, hours under the saddle. And then, of course, once they are used to that, I would then move up to 25 miles, do a couple of 25 milers, maybe the first season and then the second season go a little bit more. Um, I never do speed and miles, more miles at the same time. I think it's very important. The time you put into a, a young horse, miles and time, you will definitely get out at, at the end for sure. Endurance riding, it creates a strong bond between the horse and the rider. But if somebody's just starting out, how do you build that bond with Denny, for example, with your training and switching from that foundational training to the race environment? Um, you know, it, I think the bond comes very naturally uh, when you are putting so many hours and miles onto a horse. Not only do you start to know them, you know, their manners and stuff, but you can see what, what is in them. And, I mean, you work with them all the time. So it's very hard not to start loving the animal that you are working with. And, I mean, for us horse people, as soon as you start, especially when you finish a ride and you have that completion, even if it's a 25-mile or a 50 or more, you kind of feel like you were one. You worked mm -hmm. as a team. And I would say that. The bond just grows from there. I mean, 100 miles is the most miles, you know, in one day. And I feel that is, once you achieve that, it is just, it is, yeah, it, it is just amazing. Can you tell me a little bit about her bloodlines and how they came to your attention? You were telling me that was one of the reasons you picked her. But what else did you look for her as far as her build, her conformation, her legs and hooves? Denny is bred uh, Polish and um, and and French. Um, when I was working abroad um, in England and Dubai, um, I really liked the French bread. For me, I know everybody has got different preference into what size. For me, I really like 15 and above. I like the bigger horses more. Mm -hmm. But Denny, I definitely, I loved her bloodlines, the Tajani bloodlines. It has, it has got very good, you know, records everywhere, not only in racing, but in endurance. A friend of mine, Hilary Bachman, she said to me that there's a horse for sale after I told her what I was looking for. And um, Denny just came off the, the track. So when I heard about her, I was like, without even... I, I didn't even see a picture of her. I just saw hmm. a mare, the height, the bloodlines, and I was like, I want this. They sent me videos, and I was instantly, I, I, I wanted her. Confirmation-wise, she is a very athletic horse, which I, I love about her. I, yeah, I mean, she's just, she's just my heart. I, that horse means everything to me. So I'm just glad that I got her when she was five years. I think she was five, yeah. And she 
turned 13 this year. She was very challenging when I got her off the track because obviously you've got to take a horse going from short distance and flat racing to endurance. So she was very challenging, but I put in the time and I totally reschooled her. Uh, we started off slow. I made sure she had a good foundation on her. And just slowly over the years, I've, I, I brought her up and to be the horse that she is today. It's pretty often been mentioned by different riders on this podcast that they have gotten a horse from the track. What if we have people listening and go, oh, I never thought of looking for an Arabian from the racetrack, where where would they begin to even have those resources oh, to find a horse from the track? Well, there's a lot of um, people that, that, that sell horses off the track. And if you guys wanted to get in contact with me, I can set you up. But I know there's a lot of, uh, there is definitely still Arab racing, you know, and people that buy them off the track. But I would definitely say it's a very good option because, number one, that it's a good chance, a second career um, that you are giving them from going from flat racing and once they have retired from flat racing, you get them and we do endurance with them. And I I feel it's it's wonderful. Um, And I can also help, you know, like I mentioned, if you if they need to get into any contact with any horses. But there's there's definitely a lot of them out there, and it's wonderful horses. I have heard this said with thoroughbred horses that they need a letdown period when they come off the track. Is that Do you find that to be true? I also think so. I think that when horses is in training for flat racing, it's very hard on them because they're in training and they do their racing. But like any athlete, you know, doesn't matter what you do, if there's a time that you can get off, I think it just refreshes you and it refreshes your mind. And especially for horse coming from the track, I feel that it would be something new to them. So a little bit of time off would be good. And then slowly getting started into the new career, I think that's always a good thing. I'm just curious, and I'm sure some listeners are curious too. For example, what state have Arabian horses racing? I know Texas. Te- mm-hmm. Texas has a lot of racing. I think it's pretty much all over. Hmm. Um, I think they raced in um, Colorado as well. I think all over, but um, I'm not. I'm not exactly sure how many races there is per year, but it definitely is. It's mm-hmm. pr- pretty big still. Yeah. Just curious of a horse that has been at the track. They've been racing. They seem like they're stabled most of the day. Mm-hmm. So when you get a horse from off the track, how do they adjust going into a herd? Is that something they're used to, or are they fairly usually isolated, and then you have to get them into your herd? And how do how do they do? How did Denny um, do? You know, um, no, she she did did great. You know, when um, I worked in flat racing in England, and um, all those horses normally are you know bred, and then they come into training, and yes, they they are stabled and. But I have found, like, with any new horse that you bring into the herd, it's always first best just to introduce them to your herd mm-hmm. and then um, maybe just put them in a corral or something next to the new herd and just slowly to let them get used to each other. But in general, I have found that especially a horse that has been in a stable Going outside, they love it. And if they get along with the the rest of the horses, you know, great. Um, But I just keep them separate for a bit just to make sure that nobody gets kicked or or seriously hurt or something. And um, and normally they do fine. Like, Denny did fine. She she came and she was already fine with um, the other horses. And, yeah, and she loves being outside. 
So, um, and you know, for her especially, she came from the south and I'm in North Dakota. <laughs> it took a couple of winters for her to really get used to the North Dakota winters, but <laughs> she totally adapted to it. She looks in the wintertime like a fuzzy teddy bear and, <laughs> um, and she's just, yeah. So I would say horses are very easy to adapted to the new environment and and new friends. <laughs> Do you know, I'm so funny because uh, before COVID, I was, that's what my degree is in, is in photography. And so I uh-huh. did equine photography, pet photography. And so uh-huh. many people, they just want their horses photographed, you know, in a sleek summer coat. But <laughs> I, I love that fuzzy, you know, wooly, mammoth look that horses get in the winter up here I just I'm like yeah you should do these winter photos because they look so so cool and you can just like stick your fingers in their coat and they're all I know and and you know what it's funny it's like I have these top athletes and then in winter time they all look like fuzzy coats and then the worst <laughs> thing I do is I go buy them little Christmas hats and take photos of them with Christmas hats on I do that too. I love it. I and love then, and it's just and, and you can just see on their faces like, okay, mom, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so funny. So, do they get like a letdown time during the winter? Do you give them like a certain amount of time off? Yes. Um, you know, I as I <laughs> I'm from South Africa, so I'm actually from the heat. Mm-hmm. So I'm a real pansy when it comes to riding in the winter time. Um, so basically, like last year, I did my last ride in Minnesota. It was on the 21st of October. So from the 21st of October, that was the last time I sat on my horses, and they pretty much had off the whole winter. And as you know, it was a very hard winter this year. So um, I only started, like, I think in April to, mm-hmm. to start training. And with Denny, I only did one 50-mile ride. I did it here in California. Um, but what was nice is with the older endurance horses, they have a lot of endurance muscle and memory. So it was quickly to pick her back up. But for the main part, yeah, my horses all have off and over the winter. And they literally and figuratively are standing on ice. So mm-hmm. <laughs> break. They have a break, yeah. Speaking of breaks, before Tavis or before any, really, before any hundred, do you incorporate tapering into your conditioning program? So do you set aside a few weeks or days that you go, okay, this is, I'm stepping down our miles until, you know, because I think that would be tricky to come yes, to a yes. hundred when you're, you know, you're not over conditioned, you're not under conditioned. So yes. what do you do? Definitely. I definitely give days off, but there's a lot of things you have to keep in consideration. For instance, you can't give too many days off because a very fit horse well, there is, is always prone to tying up, you know, mm-hmm. getting acetaria. So um, when you do do it, I like to do a heavy training ride and then, you know, like, and then give a couple of days off. And then when you bring them, bring them back into training, you first start with a walk day, you know, mm-hmm. and then you do a walk and slow trot day and then a walk and a little bit of a faster trot day. You slowly come back into it. But I feel the key for for myself is you have to aim for a certain ride, which was Tevis, in the, for the horse to peak and not to be overtrained and not to be undertrained. You know, and, and if I had to choose between the two, I'd rather go with a little bit of undertraining and mm-hmm. a sound horse 
going to a ride than a tired horse who is overtrained and, you know. So, um, and then also your week before Tevis, your, I mean, your training is done. It's just basically giving them enough exercise for them to eat and then not to, to, to tie up. So you need to keep them going. So it's just that timing, but definitely they they also need days off, just, just like people, you know. I think mm-hmm. it is good for them, and um, I think that's part of what makes you a good horseman is the managing, you know, mm-hmm. of the food they must eat, the time they must have off, and then bringing them back in. So, yeah, time off is definitely important. And, of course, now, after the 100, I'm going to give her at least a month off. So mm-hmm. she's living the good life now, although... When I looked at her this morning, she had that sparkle in her eye, and I was like, hmm, what is the next ride we're going to? <laughs> that, so, yeah. Those were my next two questions. You you just did perfectly, because my next two questions were, <laughs> what is what is the taper after, you know, the event? What does the care after the event look like? And what is the next thing on the calendar for you, Dante? Oh, you know, it is so difficult. I'm actually still in California. I should attempt the the road back to North Dakota, but I'm like, maybe I should stay. And I, I'm yeah. kind of thinking like my head in different ways. Like I was thinking I want to do the um, the Virginia 100, which is I think in September. And then um, Heather Reynolds was telling me about a ride in Texas, um, the, the championships in Texas. Uh-huh. Um, and then, of course, there's the ride in Minnesota, the, um, the championship is it the AHA, the championships there? So I'm kind of like, which way am I going? But the hmm. nice thing is it. I would like to give her time off and then just pick up and then go to another 100, especially before the winter comes. So, yeah, yeah I'm still deciding. <laughs> you know, that's funny because that's my next phone call <laughs> oh. <laughs> is, is Heather and Jeremy. So um, oh, is it? maybe that's a sign you should should listen to her and go that way. I know. know. I'm like, I'm so tempted, and it's like all these different directions. And mm. but I, and the nice thing is, like, you know, but okay, I, I've got other horses at the house as well that I probably should get to ride. Mm-hmm. But it is exciting, and it's so nice once you've reached a hundred. You know that you can give your horse up. You can just pick them back up for a, a couple of days or a week or two, and then you can go to the next ride because. They're at the top of the game, so why not right. go to another big ride? You know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's kind. Of, it, it's going east, right? I mean, you can't go any further west. So you're going back towards home. Technically, you're going back towards home. I know, so. right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, good luck uh, making that decision. I kind of want to know what you decide. <laughs> so, I will keep you posted. Yes. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, Dante. And thank you for Bye. sharing, you know, your stories about Denny with us because she is a special mare. She just really stands out and she looks fabulous. So congrats to you on bringing her along, picking her and oh, having such you. a great record with her. Awesome. And thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And Thanks for all the kind words. Thank you. You have a good rest of your day. All right. You too. Bye. We enjoyed having you along for the ride. Endurance Horse Podcast is where you get to share your adventures of riding good horses through beautiful country. Many stresses in life are washed away by a good gallop, a steady trot, or by simply saddling up your favorite horse for an easy ride. Remember, every mile a memory.